1: or killing it
2: hey the second one is a little fancy sometimes i go with the second one but with you the first one's fine first one's fine
1: you can call me anything, but don't you call me that. <laughs> right. Now, no, somebody asked me that today. Uh, I mean, my last name is a different one for sure. And yeah, so, somebody asked me how, how to pronounce mine, and, and they asked me if I get Shafit very often. And I, I told them, I said, if I had a nickel or a dime for every time somebody's misspelled or mispronounced my last name, I, I would not need the job that I was working. When uh when talking to them, so, uh, Josh, how you doing, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. You know, honestly,
2: your last name I never said it because I was gonna butcher it. I just I just didn't know how to get it out. I was like, I'm gonna just I wait for him to say it that way. I'll hear it and I'll just repeat after him. From there I lock it in. I will lock it in.
1: <laughs> smart, smart guy. That that's a diplomatic answer. That's a diplomatic way to do things. Uh, but Josh, another week, ECU football's back this week. It, it's Donnie Kirkpatrick talked about it a little bit uh I, I think it was I guess it was last week during his press conference. And that yes, it's a bye week, but it's not like a typical bye week where you have a full week to prepare for the next week. You have the short week after the bye week, which is which is strange. So it's not like a full bye week, but it's like a half a bye week, right? So um Josh, let's get into it. Episode 166. 166. Number 66, do you have one? I do, I do. I saw yours. So, I like it, I like it.
2: Mine is, you know, I this weekend actually went down to Charlotte Motor Speedway and watched the Roval one more time. I really wish they would have cut it from the schedule next year because the attendance was horrific. But I will say NASCAR will always have a special place in my heart, hometown being Hickory where NASCAR legends are born. Um, this NASCAR driver actually won a couple times in Hickory. Um, he only drove the number 66 for one season, 1998. And in that season, he ended up winning the most races in the 68 of two in any series, the top series and the middle tier series, which he was in. Wow! So, I mean, I, this is a legend in the game. He's still only forty nine years old. He could technically still be out there right now. He he just retired 2018. in twenty eighteen. In nineteen ninety eight, he won two races. I mean, he's he's great. Greatness um, is all around him. It is the one and only
1: Elliot Sadler. Very distinct accent too. Yes, he, he's got is. he's got he's got that like smooth Southern drawl that, I mean, he he just sounds like a NASCAR driver. He right? does. I mean, yeah, I, I grew up around NASCAR going to, going to, um, uh, Charlotte and Bristol and, uh, what, why can I not think? Of- what's the, what's the one down there? Darlington, not Darlington. Racing fans are going to be punching their steering wheels. <laughs> Rockingham.
2: Oh, rock. you went to the rock. Okay. I went yeah. to the
1: rock several times. My my grandfather worked for general motors and and we, We'd uh, sit up in the in the box or in the booth. Mm-hmm. He, he sat in the General Motors booth, uh, where where Rick, Richard Childress, who is a is a family friend of mine, I shouldn't say of mine of my family. Richard Childress and my family go back a long time. I used to live three minutes from him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I'd go to the, I went to the, all the races uh, as a kid, and I'll tell I'll tell a quick story about Richard. Uh, when I was probably five, six, and and we went to a race, and and I was I was sitting there, and I was asking him. I was sitting there on the front row of the of the booth, and it it was uh, practice. It was a practice session for the Winston, the then Winston Cup, uh, and and then Richard Childress is sitting right next to me. I sat down right next to him. I'm eating like my crackers and whatever. Junk food they have up there in the booth, and I'm talking to him. And this was, I guess, shortly after Dale Earnhardt died, and he he was spotting, and he was spotting for a guy named Kevin Harvick, trying to kind of see what Kevin had to had to offer before he brought him onto the team. And I I asked him, I said, who do you who do you pull for? He said, I pull for a couple of guys, but right now I'm I'm really watching that. I guess he was driving the 29 car. Then I'm really watching that 29 car. His name's Kevin Harvick. And I said, Oh, that's cool. My favorite driver is Jeff Gordon and all the people in the booth were trying to get me to stop talking to him. My grandmother was like, no, Richard's talking to him. Let him talk to him. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, we go to children's uh, vineyards all the time. We're members at Childress, and, uh, we went, we went with my grandmother a couple of years ago to one of their holiday festivals. And he, he kind of hangs out. If you've ever been there, he hangs out up top near, near the offices. He has like kind of a private area for himself. And he's kind of just looking down over everybody that that's at his vineyards. And he saw my grandmother walk in and walked. He came down the steps, didn't say anything to anybody else, walked right up to my grandmother and gave her a hug and talked to her for 20 minutes of like old friends. And So, uh, yeah, that, that's my Richard Childress story, Richard and my family go way back. So, uh, I, I got, I got plenty, Josh, you and I can talk plenty of racing stories. I I got another one about Dell Earnhardt. I I won't bore everybody with right now. Dell Earnhardt Jr. That is, um, but my number 66, Josh, I have two, I'm going to go with two Artie always clowns me. And since he's not on the podcast, I'm just going to talk about it anyways, we're always picking Braves legends and hurricanes legends. And that's just what I do, right? Like, and when you're in the number 66, you're not, t- you're not talking about somebody that like, these are the numbers that you got during practice or during spring training. And, and that's just the number you got. Right. Um, but I got two and both of them have ties to the state of North Carolina. The first Bryce Wilson uh, pitched for the Braves a couple years ago. Now I believe he's in the Milwaukee Brewers organization. Um, still continuing on his career. The second is, I mean, this guy, he and I used to go back and forth on, on Twitter. We shared DMS like each, he was one of the coolest guys out there. Matt Marksberry. Um, he he ended up having to retire earlier, early due to, due to a health condition or a health problem. And, um, yeah, Matt Marksberry went to Campbell university. So, uh, Two, two North Carolina ties with my with my number 66 so it's not chalk it's not chalk because they're just Braves so um yeah and and the Braves are in, the Braves are in the postseason so that that that's that's what that's what matters right now but Josh the boneyard podcast is proud to be members of the variety sports podcast network check them out I got asked tonight hey can can we do a the NHL season starting tonight Going to do an NHL podcast? I said no, guys. I got to do the Boneyard. Boneyard comes first, of course. But check us out. We're gonna we're gonna be starting to record every week the Five Hole Podcast. Your boy's gonna be leading it. Check it out. Make sure you sub- subscribe right here. If you're watching on Variety Sports Network, subscribe right now. If not, go follow them. Subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe to us on YouTube. If you do that, you'll be a friend of the podcast. If you don't, you can walk the damn plank. But Josh. Lots is going on right now in, in ECU in the ECU athletics world. A lot of good. Oh, a lot of good. So, a lot of good. Bad, but a lot of good.
2: A lot of good. It's like it's like it, it which which infinity stone do you want? <laughs> like <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's greatness all around right now for the pirates. You're just you're yeah. probably just not paying attention.
1: Yeah. And, if you're not paying attention, you should start now. Because look, the pirates are hot. Maybe not on the gridiron, but the pirates are hot, and it, it's across it's across the board right now. It is. I mean, we may not be a football school right now, but we're a damn near everything else school. Yeah. I mean, whether you want to talk about whether you want to talk about basketball, we can we we'll talk about that in a second, but. You can talk basketball. I mean, both teams on the rise. I mean, the highest rate, ranking preseason in, in a conference that I can remember, and I think probably ever, Yeah, right? got to be. I mean, <laughs> since they started doing preseason conference rankings, this has to be the one of the highest for, for basketball. We've been in to pits mi- for a while. Not to mention, like, ECU lacrosse just finished up. They had a pretty good season. Women's soccer is number 2 in the in the conference right now. Big game tomorrow night. Host number 10 Memphis, number 10 in the country Memphis. Who's 10-1-0, 4-0 and 0 in the American tomorrow night in Johnson Stadium. Get out there. It's free. It's free. Kind of get ready for Thursday night by pre-gaming with the women's soccer team. I'm telling you, get out there. I uh, it's going to be a lot of a lot of fun, and it's huge, right? Like we see how how these athletes build off of build off of momentum from the crowd. The Lady Pirates need you. They need you out there tomorrow night, um, and it's free. It's free. Go go tailgate the game, tailgate the women's soccer game. If you send us a ta- a picture of you tailgating the women's soccer game, if you send it to us, DM it to us, tweet it at us whatever, whoever does that, I'll buy them. The first person that does it, I'll buy them food. I'll buy the, their meal at, at sup dogs after the game. How how about that? Go tailgate. If you, if you send me a picture of you tailgating the women's soccer game, I'll, I'll buy, I'll buy your dinner. I'll, and it doesn't have to, I'll, I'll buy, I'll just buy you a subdogs dogs gift card. Because why not? Also, I mean, subdogs. dogs. Great supporter uh, of the team Boneyard NIL collective for ECU. And I mean Brett, huge friend, friend of the podcast. I mean, I think we've had him on three or four times. So uh yeah, check that out. Uh anything else, Josh, that that I missed here? On, I mean
2: on... I'll I'll put it like this. ECU soccer has the potential of being ranked top twenty-five. In women's soccer, after tomorrow night, I mean, like that's that's ridiculous to even think about. Four or five, six years ago, like that that would be ridiculous to think about. And they they they've recruited well, they've gotten the right transfers, and it's just it, it's happening. It's happening. I mean, Memphis has only lost one game this entire season, no draws at all. Like they've been dominant, ten wins one loss that's crazy and the only loss was to number seven Alabama so it's not like it was a bad loss it was a quality loss so if you can beat them with your support at the stadium if I didn't live and work in Wake County I'd I'd probably try to make it out there if I lived about you know 45 minutes close I'd probably try to make it out there to be completely honest with you because this is this is probably the biggest game in in the women's soccer team's history so I mean, I, I can't
1: emphasize it enough. If I was in Greenville, I'd be there. I would be there. Yeah, I mean, get out there. Get out there. Do your do your damn job as a Pirate and get out there. Uh, I'm, I'm tweeting it out right now. First person who sends us a pic of them tailgating the ECU women's soccer game tomorrow night, we'll send you a $25 gift card. Tag us tag us hey' we'll, we'll, we'll make it happen and uh so yeah I'm, I'm let me let me finish tweeting this out uh but also I mean volleyball Josh Ugh. I mean shout out friend of the podcast former intern Izzy Marinelli and in the volleyball squad what are they 14 and four yeah Fourteen and four. Like
2: that is crazy to think about. Fourteen to four. Because that's I mean, who who would think that EP
1: volleyball would be this good? I mean, this is it's all around greatness. I mean it's great to be a pirate right now. Overall it's just great to be a pirate right now. And yeah, the football team's going through what they're going through, but it is. It, it's all in all. It, it's great to be a pirate. It's all. It's a great day to be a pirate every day. But right now, I, I'm proud. I'm proud. Of, I'm proud of these teams. I mean, these are the teams that they don't get talked about enough. So At all. go to the game. Get out there. Support the team. Look, first 250 fans will receive a no quarter flag. That that's reason enough to go, but go yeah. have some fun. It's a Wednesday night. What else are you doing on a Wednesday night? What else are you doing? By the time I you get home, it. by the time you get home, hurricanes game is going to be in the third period. You can finish watching that at home. No, I don't care if you watch it, have it up on your phone while you're at the game, get loud, watch the hurricanes game on your phone and get crazy for the, for those ladies. Cause they win this that oh, that's pretty much a lock to get them into the conference championship, yeah so that that that's all I got on, on that you Josh, you want to take over for for basketball? Oh yeah,
2: for sure so I, I don't know if you guys heard, but EC women's basketball won the American Conference last year. And went to Texas and played a really hard fought game at Texas uh in the NCAA tournament. So if you if you've been under the rock and you just don't don't realize it, EC Women's basketball is here. And I they're they're here to stay because they're returning so much production. The freshman of the year for the conference, and she won defensive player of the year in the conference as a freshman. Like ridiculous. She's staying home in Pitt County at ECU and that that's that, that's the best we can ask for. Uh, that's the best we can ask for. We got two of the uh week our second preseason rank in the conference and we even got four first place votes. So there's there's enough people some people think that we are the best in, in this conference still. Um, we got a preseason player of the year and we've got two first team on conference,
1: that's just, I mean, it's it's crazy. It's crazy to think about. It's really crazy to think about. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, ECU basketball back during like the Heather Macy days had, had some decent runs, but never like a run like what we're seeing today. Right. We're, we haven't seen this much momentum behind this program. And last year they picked them last in the conference now they're picking them second. Look. Coach McNeil said said this. Like it doesn't matter where they pick us. We got to go out and we got to execute because it only matters where we finish. So just it's a lot to be excited for. Plus, I mean the new seatbacks and, and Minjis. Not a What what are your thoughts, Josh, on, on the seatbacks and, and Minjis? I think that
2: the The crowd that ECU needs to recruit to come to basketball games need that. They, they they need that, right? Like, if if i got the money, I those those the few little padded seats that were on the second on the second floor, I'm not trying to walk all the way up there. And I'm it's, it's, the cushions weren't, weren't even weren't even really all that good anymore. So honestly, I think this was the greatest move they could have made. They got more seats, so that way there's more opportunity for you to sell the seats. And then once we like become who we're who we're about to become, you, you're gonna be selling out those seats anyways at a ridiculous rate. It'd be like having sweets and Daddy Ficker, but it's basketball, so you're basically course that it's gonna be an
1: experience. For sure. That place can get loud. Oh. That place can get real loud. Now Josh, the men's basketball team, they were picked fifth. Fifth. Once again, I think that's the highest they've ever been picked that I've, I've ever known. Like, I, mean, I, I, I don't know.
2: I I can't think of... Maybe after the CIT, they would have gotten...
1: I don't think there. so. I don't think so.
2: They probably, probably shouldn't believe in it. it's like... Because <laughs> it's just the CIT. I mean probably had two people in the conference make it to NCAA tournament. So, you know, yeah, they probably didn't believe in this then. So, this might be. And these guys haven't even hit the court together. Like, that's that's the thing. It's not like they got proof.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's – I mean, this team's going to be good. Not to mention, I mean, the two of the transfers you got in, yeah, you're still waiting to hear back about Cam Hayes. Free Cam Hayes. Hey, Congressman. (laughs) Writing about Cam Hayes. And then you you also got Bobby Pettiford. Transferred from Kansas. On top of R.J. Felton. On top of Ezra Asour. Like, all these guys. These guys, I mean... R.J. Felton's brother just committed to ECU. Like, Mike Schwartz and Kim McNeil are building something big here at East Carolina. So, I'm excited about it. Uh, I mean, all in all, lot, lots of good. Um, I will say, so uh, looking here, the American Conference, I'm just going to kind of run through the top five from that was announced yesterday. It was Florida Atlantic was number one. Um, then it was, who was number two? I I don't have it right in front of me.
0: Uh, It
1: was like FAU. I want to say maybe here it is Memphis, FAU, Memphis, Tulane, UAB, East Carolina for men's, And then the women's on the women's side, it was South Florida, East Carolina, Rice, SMU, Memphis. Those are the top fives. So. Lots of good. Lots of good. We're, we're looking- just, go ahead.
2: I was just going to make two points about EC basketball right now. Go ahead. First, the American Conference has played the game so well with basketball. You pick up FAU the year after they make that run. Yeah. So come on in and just like, okay, go ahead, Memphis, or go ahead, uh, Houston, Cincinnati. Go ahead. We We got the new kid on the block. And we've already done it with Wichita State. We were were trying to get the new kid on the block, the guy that was on the rise. And it's like trying to balance that with a team like ECU that's coming up uh, on the recruiting side for that men's team. People are still sleeping on Jordan Vick for whatever reason. And they need to actually, if you're a recruiter, stay asleep (laughs) because we're trying to keep him in North Carolina at ECU uh but dude he's gonna go off next year uh, word of god and if if they're back on that ote circuit again he's gonna he's gonna go off he's gonna get some play and he's he's gonna bring a lot of attention to ecu as just a freshman that
1: went to ote like lots of great i mean we're basketball school now we're just a basketball school now that olympic sports (laughs) Basketball, Olympic sports, uh, baseball—we're pretty much in everything but football school at this point. Uh, all right, turning to football, Josh, uh, SMU, yeah, SMU comes in this weekend, or I guess Thursday night. I mean, we're going—we're going from uh, light to dark. Fading to black. Uh, when, when we talk about all the great things that are going on in, in ECU, and then we talk about football. Plus, everybody knows blackout in the boneyard. Get blackout, what whatever they're calling it, night out in the boneyard. <laughs> I don't know. Get <laughs> that Josh, that's that's what this Drink football safety. team makes me want want to do. safety, kids. We don't condone that. All we don't condone that. jig safety, kids. Yeah, I mean, be responsible, but do what you need to do. Um, Yeah, I mean, EC leads the series 5-4. SMU, I mean, they're coming in. They're hot. They've recorded at least 350 total yards of offense in every game this season. Not to mention, they're top three in the the conference in defense. I mean, (laughs) it's insane it's insane like <laughs> i don't know smu i mean they're looking comparing last year to this year i mean they're what is it allowing 15 and a half fewer points per game than they did last year like that's the fifth, that's the fifth best jump in the entire country That's a change. ECU has its work cut out for them on Thursday night. Make no bones about it. While you're getting drunk in the boneyard, this is gonna be this is gonna be a tough one. And that's once again, that's why we need you to show out, show up, and show out. Get there. I know. Hey, I think they said classes are gonna be canceled at what three o'clock?
2: Recommending a three o'clock
1: cut off. Man, back in my day, I remember them ca- canceling classes at like one o'clock for a Thursday night game. ESPN, big ESPN. That that's what I'm worried about. The big ESPN game. I hmm, I don't know if I want this to be shown there, but yeah, I mean, SMU is a good football team. Your 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 thoughts, Josh? Before we throw it over to the interview here in a minute. I mean.
2: I just I, – I don't know – I hope our defense is still as strong as they've been because SMU's going to go right at them. Like, SMU doesn't – SMU wants to terminate the Pirate Program with this game and terminate the rest of the American Conference when they go to the ACC to just prove that they're so much better than us. And that's, that's what's ridiculous to me, honestly, is because – who would have thought SMU would have gotten this good this quickly? Right behind Tulane, and like this is—it's upsetting the, the the balance of power in the conference, and it's—it's it's really just—it's just crazy. It's crazy, but SMU is gonna try to run through us.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, not to mention—I mean, Preston Stone coming in. I mean, Mordecai felt like Mordecai was there for—I know he was only there for what two years, but yeah, three years maybe. I don't know. It feels like he was there for a long time because he he was honestly such a good quarterback, and now you got Preston Stone who's come in already, I mean, thrown for almost 1,200 yards, 11 touchdowns. They come at you on all sides of the football. And uh, I, I think that, look, we haven't played SMU since, what, the, the 2021 20, game uh, back. that That was a fun game. That was a fun game. But I don't know if it's going to be that fun this time. We're going to have on second-time guest, Billy and Buddy, uh, on on the podcast. Uh, Josh, why don't you say we bring him in?
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
1: Welcome to the Boneyard Podcast, Billy Embody. We got him on.
3: Thanks for having me, guys.
1: Yeah, no problem. Billy's the publisher of ontheponyexpress.com, has covered SMU for over a decade. Or for a decade, and now with the last two seasons, he, he's been with On Three, with the On Three Network. Billy, welcome to the Boneyard Podcast. How you doing, my friend?
3: Doing well, guys. Ready to uh, get to Greenville. I've never uh, never experienced game day there, but I've always heard uh, great things.
1: You're in for a treat uh, Thursday night. It's get, we were just joking about getting uh, what what's the what is the marketing thing that they're doing, Josh? It, it's like blackout in the Boneyard or. night of the boneyard night of the boneyard but all the students are going to be blacked out in the boneyard so um once again drink responsibly do what you need to do uh but billy tell i mean first things first this smu team is i mean they're good what makes this team so good just right off the hop
3: well, it's, it's really weird. It's weird times at SMU right now. They're uh, going to the ACC, which is wild, but uh, maybe even more weird. Uh, this is a defensive football team <laughs> right now. It really is. Uh, that is something that I didn't think we'd be saying this year in a way. I felt like this is a team that was going to be offensively able to do whatever they wanted to, but they haven't necessarily been able to do that so far this season. And so for SMU, their defense is what has been most improved this year. They've been able to uh, add a bunch of transfers and really bring in some guys that can make plays, can control the line of scrimmage in particular. The the defensive line they return Elijah Chapman, who I know Mike Houston said uh, this week it, it feels like he's been there for five years. Um, it, same, uh, but they also have Devere Levelston who's back. But they went out and added two Miami transfers and Jordan Miller and uh, Elijah Roberts, who's really been a, a massive difference maker, especially Elijah Elijah Roberts. Um, He's a big defensive end at about probably 6'4", 275, and he moves like a pass rusher. And so that defensive line for SMU has really keyed this defensive improvement. I believe last I looked, they're top 30 in uh, total defense right now. I know they're one of the best in the AAC um, when just you stack up all the teams. And they've done it really without forcing any turnovers. Uh, Last week against Charlotte, or well, two weeks ago now, against charlotte was the first time they've gotten a takeaway in a minute and you know that's something they're hoping to build on because they've done a good job forcing teams to go the length of the field to score on them if that's been what has happened but they've also done a really nice job just limiting what these teams that they have faced, the oklahomas the tcus they for the most part have done a really nice job limiting those teams and in particular when they get down in the red zone they've been able to hold and and force field goals and do those things so it's it's been kind of weird uh, covering a team that's uh, as defensively focused and um, productive as SMU this year, considering all these years, you know, it's been the Cortland Sutton show. It's been the Rasheed Rice show. It's Danny Gray, Reggie Robertson, James Prochet. I mean, they've had playmakers all over the place. They've got some tools offensively. It just hasn't clicked fully like we thought it would uh, going into this season.
1: For sure. and And that's, not something ECU fans are going to be happy to hear, though. I mean, ECU has had, had its struggles on offense all season, especially in the red zone. We, we saw it against Rice a couple weeks ago, where you get into the red zone, I believe, what was it, five times, and, and you got one touchdown out of that. Uh, Billy, talk to me about about this offense. Like, you, like, like I was mentioning earlier, you lose Tanner Mordecai. Now you've got Preston Stone. What, what's that transition been like?
3: Yeah, Preston is is very different than Tanner Mordecai in the sense that you look at what SMU has this year, and maybe Tanner Mordecai is able to manufacture enough points in one of those two power conference games that they've played against OU or TCU, but at the same time, Tanner was really uh, susceptible to game-changing turnovers, unfortunately for him, and for a multitude of reasons, whether it was a fumble against Maryland that his knee was clearly down shout out big 10 officiating or um whether it was an interception backed up in his own um you know side of the field against TCU uh, there's just been moments throughout his career where those things happened with Preston Stone he for the most part while he's thrown some interceptions this year they aren't the of the back breaking kind and for Preston One thing that I think hasn't come together is this receiver group that we thought going into the year when we were, as the media, kind of watching this team come together, we thought, oh, Jordan Curley's got the speed. He's going to be your deep ball guy. Jake Bailey is that really productive slot guy. Can they get something out of Jordan Hudson, who's got a ton of talent? But then they have Moochie Dixon, Romelo Brinson, um, Keyshawn Smith. They've got all these guys that have talent, but they've been rotating receivers a lot. They haven't maybe gotten the continuity and the chemistry in the passing game that they really wanted to. And so that's probably hindered Preston's overall production. Uh, This is a team that you look back at the second half of last year, they ran the ball really well. Then they went out and added two power five transfers at running back. And this offensive line for the most part came back intact and they've been able to run the ball really well. And so they've kind of leaned on that. There's been, some moments here and there where maybe they should have run the ball and it was kind of clear if you're watching the game from above. And other moments where, wow, it's dictating that, you know, you, you need to take a shot here. There's eight in the box. So there's been a little bit of just it just hasn't clicked fully offensively for SMU. You know, they've had the the Prairie View AM game, that's a mismatch. They came out red hot against Louisiana Tech. Um, they were able to control. Charlotte very very well they were pretty efficient from a drives perspective in that game but again it's it's just so different we're not seeing the deep shots teams are really honing in on stopping those uh from SMU and so Preston Stone has really had to take what the defense has given him. and there's been moments where there's been drops or there's been um passes that are just a a a tad late and so again it I hate to be uh, uh you know be a broken record here but It just hasn't clicked fully in the passing game, but that running attack has really come alive the last couple weeks against TCU, against Charlotte. Um, TCU, they really could have run the ball a lot more. They obviously got down and they had to pass a little bit more, but they could run the ball in TCU pretty much whenever they wanted. So um, this is a team that I think as they get into conference play, deeper into it especially against, you know, even though East Carolina, I, I think their defense is playing pretty well. You guys would know a little bit more on that, but I think they've got to really con- continue to run the football. Um, the, they just haven't been able to do it in the passing game, so you need to lean on what's been productive. It's been that run game.
1: Josh, do you have any questions?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's crazy that you say that because I I feel like ECU's, ECU's offense is so bad that SMU's offensive numbers look just amazing. <laughs> um, but it's it's I mean, what 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 has been that difference with SMU compared to the Oklahoma and the and the TCU? I mean, th- those losses look like they were reasonable losses against those teams, but you know, I feel like SMU kind of has a little bit more to them. You know.
3: Yeah, I completely agree. And that's where it's frustrating for a lot of SMU fans and even just kind of watching this team come together this year. I thought going into the year, they'd be able to steal one of two. And for whatever reason, they haven't obviously done that. But you look at the Oklahoma game, and that's one they've got to be – I mean, hopefully they're not looking in the past if you're on that team, but that is one that really got away from them. Uh, They were able to move the ball pretty much at will. They had a block punt. Um, on their opening drive that allowed OU to score and two plays before that they missed a wide open what would have been 70 plus yard touchdown pass you know Roger Daniels had a couple steps and it just was a little bit too far for him and the game changes like that Jalen Knighton they're running the ball he's got it deep inside OU territory I think it's either tied or maybe SMU's down three boom fumble and that just takes away your momentum that you're moving the ball down the field. So. That one got away from, um, you know, that was a, a game where I realized that this team, when it's playing well, can play and beat anyone on their schedule. And TCU, SMU just didn't bring their best game. And they didn't capitalize on a couple red zone opportunities in that one. They came away with a field goal on one, um, which they, again, they, we talked about kind of, they should have hand the ball off uh, against a good look versus, you know, pulling it or doing something different. And then kind of the same thing on the other side, they go for it on fourth down and they you know run into a loaded box so they come away with three points on two critical drives where they move the ball pretty much at will Um, and again against TCU they didn't bring their best stuff and that one probably hurts a little bit more too because it's a rivalry game you see what TCU truly is and I said it going into that one I said this TCU team is not as good as last year's team obviously they're They've got a bunch of holes. You talk to TCU people going into that one, and they're like, well, there's no defensive line depth. Secondary's got question marks. No receivers have stepped up. It's kind of like all they had was Imani Bailey and and Jared Wiley, their tight end. And SMU just got beat in some critical situations, and maybe it's a growing process with a new quarterback. They're trying to find their rhythm offensively, but those are two that... They didn't look out of place. And even the TCU score, they got a touchdown late when SMU was kind of selling out to stop it on, on fourth down. I think the score was, I guess, 27-17 uh, at that point. So you're, you're thinking they're going to run it. they have been able to run it on them in the second half, and they pop one over the top to the tight end to, to make it 34-17. So it, it's, those are two games where they looked like they belonged. They just didn't make the plays when they were in front of them. And as you look ahead to this conference schedule – that's probably one of the most concerning things when you look at this team is okay. They have all this talent. They have all these pieces. Will they execute like they need to week in week out to now go on what would be a seven game run, um, to, you know, potentially play for an AAC championship. That's where, that's why it's so important. They go to East Carolina and get a win. It's a tough place to play. ECU has been able to play some teams tough, um, they there's a lot of respect from SMU uh, when it comes to ECU. You know, I remember the 20, what was it? 2019 game or no, 2021. You guys were talking about it when SMU just got you know whipped uh, in that one, or maybe that was 2020. Um, but whatever one that uh, was on the road at East Carolina, SMU just completely fell apart. And, you know, there are guys on that team that remember that game. And And then you look back last year, you know, UCF got beat in the same atmosphere. So, there's a lot of respect from SMU uh, when it comes to East Carolina, despite a one and four record and rightfully so. So they've got to come out, they've got to finish drives. They've got to try to take t- the crowd out of, out of the game.
1: For sure. And Rhett Lashley, I mean, he, he's in what, his third season this year. Uh, second. Se- is it second? Yeah. He was, yeah, I, I, he was coordinator. T- yeah. He was hired in 2021. That, uh, I was thinking he was hired earlier that, that season before the season started, but Hired in 2021. Talk to us a little bit about him, his his coaching style, his philosophy. Um, talk to us a little bit about him.
3: Yeah, I think he's continuing to grow as a head coach. And and there are many ways that we can kind of look at this. As one, they came in, Sonny Dykes left. They had to basically keep the whole roster. They couldn't spend a lot of time going out and getting maybe the guys that they needed to really turn the roster at different positions to maybe Go from what was, I think they finished seven and six um, in year one to being a team that could have been a 10 a win type of team. And they had one of the toughest schedules in the AAC. They played Cincinnati, they played UCF, they played Houston, um, and went two and one in, in those uh, games against the preseason top three of the league. And then, of course, they end up playing Tulane as well. So they had a tough schedule. Um, they finished really well last year. And I think they made some changes throughout the year that give a lot of people that kind of confidence that, all right, they'll recognize what's going on and they'll make some changes and tweaks to probably fix those things. I think Rhett's done a really nice job, especially from a recruiting perspective. He is a recruiter kind of at heart. I know he gets a ton of buzz around, you know, his offenses throughout his career and they've always been good. He's always been able to generate turn turnarounds, um, even went to UConn and drastically improved them in his one season there before he got to SMU. And He's been able to go out with his staff and get a ton of transfers that, yes, on the offensive skill side with the wide receivers, probably haven't been as good as they thought. But at running back, they've been successful at hitting on those guys. Offensive line, they've added some key guys. Um, you look at the defensive side, that's littered with transfers that are making differences uh, for that unit. So he's addressed the roster really well. I think he's growing into being a head coach even even more. Um, there are some certain situations that I think He probably wants back throughout this season, notably against Oklahoma and TCU. But they've kind of cut out as of late some of their window dressing, jet sweeps, reverses. They ran a flea flicker against Oklahoma. This team is too talented to try those things against defenses that are good at staying home, that are good at disrupting those type of plays, because then it just sets your offense back. I mean, this is a a team that I've kind of said throughout the year. They just need to keep it simple and not because it's too much for them, just because keeping it simple has worked for them when they've been able to go with tempo tempo, they've been able to run the football. They've found some intermediate routes that work for them in the passing game and they have all these weapons. So I think he's continuing to, to develop as a head coach. And this year it hasn't hit like people have have wanted it to, you know, dropping you know, both games to uh, Oklahoma and TCU, but that's where the expectations went going into this year. You know, this is a team that had added so much talent, a top 10 transfer class, I think top five, even by some, some uh, spots, but uh, they brought in all this talent and there was kind of a little bit of an expectation for SMU to make a statement when it came to that OU or TCU game. And I think they did against OU despite coming out, you know, on the losing side, but um, I, I think he's continuing to grow. I think this team plays really hard for this entire staff, which is noticeable and mainly because of last year's finish. Granted, they played some really good teams early in the season. They were able to get a little bit of a lighter load uh, in the second half, but this is an SMU team that hadn't finished above 500 in November. I think in, I mean, I think it, it, Chad Morris days. Um, So it's been a minute Um, and, and they were able to generate that strong finish to the regular season. And, those are things that haven't happened. So he's kind of been checking some things off the box. They went last year and, and beat Tulsa at Tulsa and they hadn't won there in well over a decade. They sent Houston on their way to the Big 12 with a loss. They've done certain things where, okay, those are big games, big moments. They also have to play really well as a team to accomplish their goals. Like they, they're, they have the pieces, but they aren't a good enough top-to-bottom team right now to just kind of throw the jersey out there and and be able to be successful. Things have to, you know, be executed. And I know that's a lot of teams, but it's the reality with this one, especially kind of with where the offense is at, just not necessarily clicking at, at full tilt.
1: For sure. Josh, any, any other questions from you?
2: Yeah, I just got a, got one because I, I thought about asking. I thought maybe no, but I think this is probably a perfect question for you because you got two jerseys right there behind you. Uh, who has the best and worst outfit combinations and colors? And but here's the thing: because this probably gonna be the last time we get to talk to you with SMU leaving, I want ACC and AAC. I want both of them.
3: The best, the best, and the worst. Um, the 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 aac i would say the current the current group of of schools um i would say you look at oh um i feel like i feel like charlotte's not that great charlotte's not that great that's just very bland um and then the best—I mean, honestly, I think when SMU shows up with the Dallas uniforms, it's pretty strong. Uh, it's a pretty strong look. Um, I'm glad that SMU doesn't really do the black jerseys too much. Uh, there's been some historically bad performances when they've done those. Uh, one being uh, my jersey there on my right or left um, in the in the uh, Armed Forces Bowl about a decade ago. But um, and then the ACC. Um, I grew up in Florida. I I like the the really classic Florida State um, uniforms. I, I'm I'm kind of partial to those. Um, those are pretty good. And then the worst, um, I would I would probably say, I would probably say like Syracuse. Just kind of bland. Just kind of bland. Just kind of average. I
1: would- I would say them or or somebody like uh, I, I think Boston College or, or or UVA.
3: Yeah, UVA UVA doesn't do it for me either. Boston College, all I think of is Flutie. I mean, maybe that was her last we, good we, moment outside of Matt Ryan. We we've
1: had a ton of beef with Boston College on this podcast, so uh, got got to throw some shade there. But um, yeah, Josh, you you asked the question. Now you got to give your answer. Yeah.
2: yeah that's so, fair. In the American Conference, for me personally, I love a good purple helmet, <laughs> purple jersey, <laughs> gold pants, because that gold face mask that they do with the gold pants, I'm telling you, it's the, it's the cleanest, it's the cleanest look. On the sideline. It's the cleanest. uh that, that's the one helmet that I always want to take an extra picture of, ju- just to have it on fire.
3: Well, you know, an SMU podcast and 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 uh reporter can't give purple any love. Uh <laughs> the, the TCU fans will come out of the woodwork uh saying I'm a homer for them. So
1: <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. I, I I gotta say I've always wanted us to do the uh con- West Virginia's done it, and, and I believe Arizona State. Kind of like that, all gold. Oh yeah, I would love yeah. for us to rock an all gold. And there's rumors about a gold helmet this year. I would love to see it, but I don't. I don't think. I don't think it's going to be in the cards. For the SMU's Pirates.
3: tweaked some of their helmets this year a little bit. They've done some different things with face masks. I think Rhett Lashley is kind of. Sunny Dikes is very like. Classic SMU outside of the Dallas jerseys, even the Dallas jerseys kind of look like SMU. Rhett Lashley is is from that kind of. Even though Gus is, you know, was at Auburn for a while, they they didn't mess too much with their stuff. But um, just kind of that, you know, it wouldn't shock me if SMU brings out the black jerseys at some point. I just got to see them do something in them to uh, believe that they can. Uh, do it. The last the last time I can recall SMU doing something well in the black jerseys was actually when they did – it's called the anthracite look when they beat Houston back when Chad Morris was the head coach. I think they had a purple – or a, uh, a pink Mustang. I think it was an October game, and so it was for breast cancer awareness too. So they – it was quite the look.
1: For sure, yeah. And not every team needs to do a black. Not – I mean – there, there's some teams out there, like, why are you doing black? Black's not at all in your normal color scheme. Like, I mean, SMU, it's red, white, and blue. Yeah. Classic. Stick with it. Yep. I mean.
3: Alabama, I mean, LSU. I mean, plenty of schools that shouldn't be doing. Oklahoma, you know, they shouldn't be doing that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's cool every once in a while. But, like, ECU, it's become, okay, let's do it once a year right
3: like, yeah. we'll we'll do it I right. lo- I love it. I mean, Pirates like uh, that that just makes a ton of sense to me.
1: I I can't wait till they blow everybody's minds and comes out with, come out with a no quarter uniform one year with all red. Now you want to talk about pissing a bunch of pirates off. Come out in a red <laughs> uniform one, one day. Um, yeah. Yeah. But Billy, r- real quick before before we let you go. We've talked about the Pirates offensive woes and it sounds like S. It sounds like you feel like SMU is going through something similar, but ECU is on a whole nother level when it comes to how bad this offense is. Uh, you, you talk about keeping it simple. Well, at ECU, it seems like simple is just running it on up the middle every play. Um, <laughs> and if if you're not doing that, we're gonna we're gonna throw a, a screen pass or, or throw like, an a, on third and eight. We're gonna throw it five yards and, and get hit right in the middle. Like, what is it going to take for ECU to pull? I mean, is a 12-point dog. What's it going to take for ECU to to really kind of come out and, and make it a game?
3: I, I think being able to play good red zone defense. Uh, I, I do. I, I think SMU has shown all year that they can move the ball. I, Rhett Lashley, I think, even called them a team between the 25s or something like that uh, recently. Familiar. And so if ECU can force some field goals and SMU's field goal kicking hasn't been perfect either, they can force some field goals early. They can maybe pop a big play. I covered Marlon Gunn down in Louisiana. So uh know the type of wheels he's got. I know he's just coming back. But, um, you know, the run game, at least from ECU, seems to be where if that can get going, that would probably be where they could, you know, control the clock. Charlotte basically turned the game into, like, it was kind of a weird score. thirty four. 16 was the final, but SMU was in complete control. Um, wasn't ever in doubt. It was 27 to three at one point, but Charlotte ended up just basically playing ball control. I mean, they were snapping it with under 10 seconds left. I think SMU had eight, eight or nine possessions total that were real possessions with time and, you know, not like an end of the game when they kneeled it out and all those things. I mean, it, that game was just, you know, so weird. Um, just overall. 95 yard touchdown run, 15 yard scoring drive for SMU is just weird. But if East Carolina can hold in the red zone and kind of keep it relatively, you know, close for the first half, then you can kind of throw it out in the second half and just see what happens. Um, that would be the the path to uh to probably knocking knocking SMU off. And SMU's also gotten two punts uh blocked this year, partially blocked. So um special teams will probably play a little bit of a role too.
1: Yeah, that that, that sounds great and all, but ECU sucks in the second half. So um <laughs> that's
3: SMU maybe, hasn't been great either. <laughs>
1: it's, this, this might be a sicko's committee uh night, it, it seems like in Dowdy if if it's not a blowout.
3: Well, um, and now the line went from nine and a half, I think, to twelve and a half, and been doing this a minute with SMU. And anytime you see, like, all right, Thursday night game, blackout jerseys. Line jumps by three or something crazy like that. It's probably not done moving up. It's like, uh, okay, is this is this actually going to be that kind of a game? We'll we'll see. We'll see. They've got a they've got a breakthrough and win a road game. They haven't yet this year. They haven't had any you know AAC opportunities or even you know one against a group of five or what have you to to make it happen. But it's it could get weird. It also could be one of those games that SMU explodes and they kind of look like what a lot of people thought in the preseason they should but i had over the summer this game and memphis is the two conference games that i was circling as tough tasks uh for, for smu which maybe is a little bit about the conference too but he's going to east carolina especially in this environment is, is no joke
1: for sure yeah i mean even when we're down we're, we're still gonna have a bunch of people there yeah but um looking forward to it billy check out sup dogs go go get you a go get you a hot dog or a hamburger before the game let us know if you're there. Maybe maybe we'll stop by on our way in. But, uh, yeah, tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find your content.
3: Yeah, you can follow us at com, and uh, we'll be there. Boots on the ground in, in Greenville. Excited to uh, check it out, and, and we'll see what type of team, uh, which SMU team, I guess, shows up uh, against East Carolina. I, I think we're in for a fun one. Maybe a weird one, but a fun one.
1: Hey, that's all we can ask for, some fun. Now, I do, before... I, I just thought of it before I let you go. I I, I know you're a Florida guy. I saw you got the, the Tampa Bay lightning shirt on. What what are, what are your thoughts? I mean, you, you had the run last year was kind of a rough playoff season for y'all. What, what are your thoughts?
3: Well, it's, it's not going to be easy. Uh, no Andre Vasilevsky for the first two months of the season, uh, Best goalie in the world had back surgery. Uh, they played a good game tonight. Just finished up watching them uh, beat Nashville, who could kind of be uh, not a playoff team, but kind of a thorn in people's sides this year. But uh, they've they've got some growing to do. A lot of new faces on the third and fourth lines. Um, but the stars looked like the stars tonight, and that's that's important for for the Lightning if they're going to you know weather this storm, so to speak, without Andre Vasilevsky goaltending. I mean, they they do not have guys that have really played much at the NHL level uh, back there, stopping the puck. So I'm intrigued to see if how it goes and if they have to make a move at some point to bring in somebody that can, you know, weather another month of this or or what have you. But uh, the run was awesome. The run was awesome. Uh, The COVID bubble was, was fun. I I watched it from the same bar every, every, uh, every game and, and all that. That was a lot of fun. And then um, when they went and, and won the cup in Tampa, I was there. So, I grew up a Lightning fan. I was born the year they started, and um, that's that's my team. That's my team. Yeah,
1: I I even here in North Carolina, I grew up a Canes fan. They came came to North Carolina when I was two. Grew up playing hockey, so
3: yeah, Lo- love it, love it. Billy, same here. Got a game tomorrow night. Got a, got a beer league game tomorrow night. So I'm oh, fun
1: fun. What position?
3: <laughs> center.
1: Center. Okay, everybody wants to play center. Yeah. I was more of a stay-at-home D man, so yeah.
3: <laughs> I tried that. I tried that. I it didn't it didn't go my way. It didn't go my way. I wanted to jump up too much.
1: I, I feel it. I feel it. But Billy, uh, I'll see. I'll see you Thursday night. Sound good? Yep. See
3: you guys, guys then. Night. It'll be fun.
1: Thanks, Billy. All right. See you Thursday. Once again, that was Billy Embody from On Three Sports. Awesome, awesome guy to have on. I think like I said, I think that's the second time we've had him on, maybe the third, but um yeah, we I mean we've had him on a couple times now. Uh Josh, any, any thoughts on that?
2: I mean, he he has a different outlook on the numbers than, than what I had, right? It's 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 kind of like the it's just the, the dichotomy of college football. Like either either you're having the best of times or you're having the worst of times, and there really is no in between uh, when, when, when you're looking at it. Um, I think it's gonna it's gonna still be a tough task for ECU, but if the play if the offensive players decide that they're gonna take up Rajay's uh, uh, energy pregame and come out really wanting to get after it, I don't I, I don't see why ECU can't be in the game
1: from the perspective we just heard. Yeah. I Billy was giving me a little bit of hope. I didn't <laughs> think I was going to have any, but Billy Billy gave me more than I thought I was going to have. Yeah. I'm not trying to be too negative, guys. Not not trying to be too negative. Um yeah, I mean, that's it's going to be a tall task, but once again, we've seen it in these Thursday night Blackout games. I mean, anything can happen, but don't hold your breath. So, anything else? I mean, we can we can talk, keep talking about SMU. We'll we'll talk about them a little bit more in, in gambling corner. But any thoughts? Any more comments on on SMU before we start wrapping up?
2: I just hope that this isn't like the Thursday night game in, I think, 2018, might have been 2019, when the lights went out, and Pat McAfee was in the booth, it was like, it was a great day to be in Greenville, but that that kind of game is what I'm not looking forward to, because the team wasn't really doing well, There no was there was almost no one there, and then when the lights cut out, people just started leaving, it was super, com- I felt like it was super competitive if I'm remembering right, but... We we just – I just hope that that the fans that come stay and really support at least until there's no hope.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't want to see anybody leaving at halftime. Like, I mean, I get it. If we're down 40 at half, like, hell, I might be hitting the road because i got a three-hour drive. But, (laughs) I mean, that's – come on. Get out there. So, what else you gonna do? Yeah, I get, thirsty Thursday, but guess what? The bars stay open till two. So,
2: pregame at the game. That way, when the
1: game wraps up, you get to you get back at about eleven. Take you a quick shower. I I mean, I understood leaving the game. I would understand people leaving the game back when we were, when you couldn't drink in the game. But now, if you're of age and you can drink at the game. I get it's expensive, but that's life. The, like anytime you go to any sporting event, it's it's expensive. So go go to the game, enjoy yourself. Um yeah. Uh we do have some Twitter questions, Josh. Uh we got we got two Twitter questions. Um Chance, former intern Chance asked, how confident are you that ECU covers the twelve point spread? Chance, I'll answer that question hearing about 10 minutes okay stay tuned josh do you want to take a stab at it or, or are you gonna wait till,
2: till I'll, just, I'll, wait. I'll wait i'll wait all right
1: chance you're just gonna to have to wait sorry about they stick
2: around. it they gotta stick around
1: all right and then brandon asks, and, and this brandon this you made it tough on us for for a, a audio podcast yeah we do have a visual component but for the people listening Brandon asks. Give us a quick one through four ranking of the recent black ECU jerseys in on in honor of the new ones. So we have the new ones. We have the OG Nike ones back during the Shane Carden days, with, with like the purple stripes on the, on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. You have the Zay Jones era ones that were the black with the gold and the gold trim on the on the collar and under the arms, and then you have the ECU black ones that had ECU on the chest that they've worn most recently that look like prison uniforms since they had the stripes. Okay. So now that we've set the set the stage for those listening at home, listening in their car with on the way to the game, let's wrinkle. I'm, I'm going to say number one, be honest at first I, I wasn't feeling it with with the new black but now i am like the, these are clean plus they they match our other kind of throwback new throwback jerseys right like and when we talk when we talk to will Threadaway, away the will tread the guy that designed the original throwback he, he said like they wanted something that could be interchanged and these can't these can be so um I'm going to go the new the new black, especially with the matte helmet. Love that. Love the purple face mask with them. Love the p- purple outline on the numbers. That's going to be my number one right now. Josh? All right. Number one,
2: my number one. You want my number one first. <sighs> See, I was, I was going to hold it. I was going to hold my one. But my one... Looking at it right now, if it, it, I feel a little different actually, right now than I did earlier. My number one is actually is going to be the new ones. I think the new ones lean into that like low key. They look like it's the pictures look like it's AI. Like it yeah. looks it's so soft. It's not like it's intense, but it's soft. So
1: I, I, I like I like, like,
2: like the br- I look at it.
1: The contrast and the crispness of the white on the black is where it's at right because
2: I mean everything's been gold or gold trimmed not just a straight to
1: not just a straight switch exactly it's, it's clean it looks clean
2: and they're using a better font for numbers this year I don't know if you've noticed yeah this, this new font for numbers they've been using it is such a crisp font for numbers
1: it's so good yeah. like it's so good it's not that curved font that they were using on on the last ones yeah my number 2 is the Shane Cardin era Nike jerseys with the purple on the on the shoulders that's my number 2
2: Okay. Yours? I I've got some words for the one you put at your number two that I'm gonna save till I get to it. <laughs> it is not my number two. My number two is actually going to be the Zay Jones photo because I believe that black jersey. I, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's the fact that I have two of them or what, but that black jersey will always just sit in a special place for me as being my undergrad years.
1: Like, like, that That's how I feel about the Shane Carden era. Like, I remember when those things first came out. Right. But I get it. I get it. I, those are my number three. And those are my number three only because they just look – they just look faded, honestly. And and to be quite honest, like looking at them. And I mean, when you look at them on pictures and and from far away, they look cheaply made. Now I know like we've been up there up close to them. When you're next to them, they're, they're not, they don't look that way on the field. But looking at like this picture, it just looks, it looks cheaply made. It looks like a, it looks like a beanie you would wear in, elementary school gym class. That's my take.
2: Okay, so that's your number three. My number three has to be the ones that we were, we were bees, but the gold wasn't placed where the gold was supposed to be. It was a black and white bee look. It's just that striping. I don't know what they were going after with that. I really don't. That is horrific. Like, nothing will ever be worse than that. But even though I'm going to put something worse than that, (laughs) nothing in a black concept can be worse than that. Yeah.
1: It's 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 pretty terrible. uh, It's pretty terrible. Like, those those are honestly the ugliest uniforms or ugliest jerseys that I think I've seen ECU ever wear. I I hated those black ones. I absolutely yeah. hated the black that that we had the last couple of years. I, I just did. I I I'm pretty sure I've been on record saying it before. I hated those black jerseys. And um I mean that's why they're my number four. The the, the stripe just the stripe looks weird. The stripe just looks weird.
2: And the numbers, they 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 that were in that font with the numbers. I don't like that.
1: I also, I'm not crazy about just the ECU. I, I like the East Carolina. I'm old school like that. I, I like the East Carolina, not just the ECU.
2: Mm-hmm. So Or just put the pirate logo.
1: Yeah. Honestly. All right. So that leaves one for your number four. I, I've already kind of talked about my number four with, with you talking about your number three. Your number four is the Nike ones?
2: My number four is the Nike ones. Why? Who told ECU to put that purple on on the shoulder pads? A, right? So that's like my A. B, why is the uniform... Why does it look like it was stitched together by thrown away pieces of black cotton T-shirts? Like, it just... it it looks so dated, even though all the other ones were were bad in their own ways. It it looks so dated. Like this is like that was
1: also a decade ago.
2: Right. It it was a decade ago. But even then, I thought to myself, they can do better than that, right? Like, the- like it's just the the Nike material at the time was not a good material. I mean, I think that that's probably the, one of the biggest issues, is that the Nike material was not a good material then. And so, you know, I mean they, they were doing well for Oregon, but they could dye the threads. I mean it it just it just wasn't good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not The only thing my biggest critique is the color of the number. I mean, I, I get what you're saying about, about the fabric. I think that's just how all pretty much all football jerseys were made at that point. Um but the fabric or the, the color on, on the number. I wish you had more of a poppy purple. Right? Like some of that popped on, on the black. Um or even just a even just a gold at that point. But um Yeah. That that's still my number two. I, I think I think back to Justin Hardy and, and Shane Carden and Zeke Bigger, like those guys wearing wearing these jerseys like Coming out, Ruffin McNeil leading the team out. Uh them on that game against Carolina back in 2014 on the road. Carolina wore their I was at that game, wore their uh white America uniforms. Uh Justin Hardy laid an absolutely insane block <laughs> on a guy. I, I can't remember. He he damn near killed a guy blocking in, in that game at, at Chapel Hill. I think back to the the Justin Hardy catch that was not a catch but it it really was a catch that was odell beckham jr style before odell beckham jr did the catch um right there like right in front of me in in the end zone right in front of the right in front of the boneyard um like those just hold a special place in my heart those old black jerseys just hold a special place in my heart so all right any other you want to talk we can talk jerseys all all night long but you really could. I mean, you really could. we. I mean, we've devoted a whole podcast before to talking jerseys, but uh, walk the plank. I'm trying to think if I have a walk the plank. Um, I do, but I'm. All right, I'll, I'll here's. I'll, I'll go ahead and do mine because yours is better than mine. I, I guarantee it. Look, MLB has to figure something out with the postseason schedule. I mean. The fact, look, I was griping about it several years ago. I mean, when when the Braves were that wild card team, hey, you play a three game series all year long, while you just play a one game series or one game, like winner moves on um, between the wild card teams. Now I really don't like this. The number one team in all of baseball has to sit for five or six days. From their last game of the regular season to the first game of their playoffs or their first game of the postseason, you don't. That just like you play three game series all year long in in baseball. Baseball is the one sport where you don't have two or three days off in between games. You just don't. So to go from having a game every single day, every other day, all for six months, and then all of a sudden you go and, and you have a six day off, off period you lose a bunch of momentum and and baseball is probably the one sport in out of all of them where if you get on a hot streak I mean we've seen it with ECU baseball before you get on a hot streak you want to play every single day you you want to keep that that rod going right you once you stop you get rust you're not taking in-game reps. Not taking real-time reps. It, it's not like football where you, you know what you're doing. You have a game plan. You go out there. Yes, you have a game plan in baseball. But when you're trying to hit a 100-mile-per-hour fastball, if you haven't seen a 100-mile-per-hour fastball in a week, it's going to be hard to catch up to it. Um, And and we've seen it. I mean, we saw it last year with the Braves and Dodgers both lo- losing in LDS. Dodgers look absolutely terrible right now. Uh, I think they got a combine six outs from their starters in in the first two games of the series. I mean, Braves luckily came back and, and had a miraculous ending last night, but something's like, I get you can't do the one game series or the one game matchup, but this three game matchup isn't what it, like what it needs to be. What, they need to figure out, I don't care. Make the three-game series. Make one of those days you have to play a doubleheader. I don't care. Like, that's just, that's baseball. A doubleheader is baseball. But making a team sit for five, six days is not baseball. That that's that would be how I would fix it. Or you just rank the teams one through eight and everybody plays. Also, add two more games to the, to the division series round. I mean there's no reason why why do you have a 5 game series in the NLDS, ALDS but then everything else is 7 games. Go everything needs to be 7 games. Take the NBA, take the NHL model. 1 through 8. Heck even if you have to sk- trim a little bit off the season, everybody talks about 162 games is too long. Trim some games off that schedule. Take it down to 1 152. Right? Do that and then you're not you're not having to deal with with what we're dealing with now and, and play those seven game series that that's what I would say that's my walk to playing MLB rob manfred has screwed up baseball rob manfred I've told you uh, countless times on this podcast walk the damn play. worst commissioner in all of sports rob manfred he's broken baseball he's tried to fix it but he's broken it he's made it even worse that, that that's my walk to playing I,
2: I, I, when you said 152 on the regular season, MLB, I no, I'm more of a play. Let's play a hundred games. Let's, let's make it, let's make it a real, you, I, well, pop, you, win, I, you know,
1: like. I mean, I get it. Like the, the only thing with a hundred games is I, I do like the fact that the one change that I do like that they've made is the fact that they've changed it to where you play every single team, every season. I do. I really like that. And if you go to hundred games, you're just not going to be able to do that and have enough divisional games to play. Um, So I, I would like to see it go back to, or go to 150 games, maybe even 145. I don't know how that shakes out, but you still need to have the same amount of games in your division. And I believe that number went down. It used to be, I believe, 19 games in division. So right there, you're looking at five teams in the division. You play four of them. That's forty. Of nine times four is thirty-six. That's seventy-six games of your hundred and sixty-two game season that you play in the division, right? So to me, you've you got to figure you got to figure that out. Like okay, we're still going to have eighteen games or whatever against each team in our division, but now we're going to have we're going to you're going to play every team. Around the league, but maybe you have more two game series. I don't know, but something needs to be done because it either way, somebody's getting screwed. But the fact that the number one team, quite frankly, arguably the best offense in all of baseball ever in the Atlanta Braves I mean, second only in. WRC plus to the 1927 New York Yankees who, I mean that that's considered the best team ever. The Braves are second to that this year tied for the most home runs hit in a season. To me, the fact that one, they had to sit out for a week and two, they play the fourth ranked team instead of it being reseeded. That's bullshit, Josh. Your turn.
2: My walk the plank is the biggest walk the plank I have ever ever thought could ever happen. Mario Cristobal, sir. It's not. It's not even bad enough that you did this ranked number 17 against a 2-3 and Georgia 10, right? Like, it wasn't bad enough that that that's what it was. Like, that's what happened. Mario Cristobal, this isn't his first time doing this to lose a game. I just, look, man, the analytics will never tell you (laughs) to run the ball when – there's an 85% chance that if you take the knee now with how many timeouts the other team has, you're gonna be fine. Right? Like I just I I don't know, I don't know what to say. Because if anything, if, if I'm gonna run the ball, I'm not running it forward. Staying behind my line of scrimmage, you know, just a little duck and dive to run the clock down a little bit before I go down as a run. Like I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not even going into the traffic. If, if you're going to play it like that, like I just. Second time he's done it, not even the first time he's done it. Like that, that's. Like it's.
1: Yeah, that, that's rough. Reminded me. Reminded me a lot of the Lincoln Riley Ruffin McNeil debacle where they got into victory formation, need it three, three times and then gave the ball back to UCF with too much time left on the clock. And then we all know what happens. I, I've said I've been on the record before. That play broke ECU. That's the play that broke ECU. Sorry about it. All right. Uh, that's enough for walk the plank. Let's uh, let's do some gambling corner, and then let's get the hell out of here. Uh, All right. Cool. Uh, first up, we got West Virginia at Houston. Houston's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Over-under is 51-and-a-half. This is a big game for both programs. West Virginia is having a magical four and one season while Houston's looking for its first Big 12 win. West Virginia has been has beaten both Big 12 opponents that Houston has lost to, which is TCU and Texas Tech. I don't understand how Houston's a two and a half point favorite, other than the pure fact that it's at home. But playing at Houston really isn't that much of a home field advantage. So uh Josh, uh, I'll let I'll, I'll take this one first. I'm taking I'm taking West Virginia here.
2: And honestly, I, I'm taking West Virginia by so much that I would I would I would be breaking Vegas right now. Cause I'm probably taking them by like eight. Honestly, like I, I don't there's nothing nothing about Houston scares me if I'm West Virginia. I mean, coming into the season of West Virginia never thought they'd be right here. But this, at the same time.
1: This is my lock of the week. Like oh, this, yeah. this game right here is my lock of the week. maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I'm a terrible gambler, but nothing here makes sense. The math does not add up West Virginia plus two and a half. Take the money, run straight to the bank. Josh Pate
2: has his uh, ramen Ramenul express. You know, ramen is like a dollar, right? It's just, it's not that much. This is my hamburger helper express. Okay. I'm talking, you're going to, you're not only going to get the mix, which has gone up astronomically. I looked at that at the store the other day, and that's crazy. But you're also going to be able to buy a whole pound of beef, okay? I'm telling you, this is, this is my lock. Like, it's, there's no question.
1: Yeah, I mean, this seems like, this seems like the lock of, of the week. Like, this has to be the lock of the week. West Virginia plus two and a half. And honestly, take the over also. Um, yes. All right, what do we got next? Tulane. Plus three and a half at Memphis. Memphis is good, man. Um, this is probably the biggest game of the Amer- for the American this this, uh, this week. Both teams four and one. Tulane lost to Ole Miss by seventeen. That Ole Miss game though was a lot closer than the lost by seventeen. They were they were in that game for a long time. It, it got it got really bad late, but. Memphis, like that that game should have only been by a touchdown, maybe. They they started selling out in garbage time trying to to make a play and, and had a I believe had a bad interception late in the game and, and Ole Miss maybe returned it or, or something like that. But they they didn't lose by 17 points. That that score looked worse than what it actually was. Um Memphis lost I mean Missouri is good. Memphis lost to Missouri by seven. Um is Memphis really the team to beat in the American or does Tulane keep their crown uh this is at Memphis mm. i'm going to go what time is this game do you know uh
2: dude i think it's it's a, i think it's a later game i think it's a later game
1: uh let's see espn i think that game I think that game's like one of them. Like, it's a seven thirty. Seven thirty on Friday. It's on Friday. On Friday.
2: Ooh. Seven thirty is
1: Friday. It.
2: That's a Friday. Yeah. That changes me. Now I gotta see something.
1: All right. In that case, uh, Michael Pratt's back too, right? Yeah, he's been back. All right. Yeah, give me two lane.
2: And uh, Tulane's coming off of a bye. Tulane yeah. is coming off of a bye.
1: Tulane. Give me Tulane. I mean, but may, so is may, maybe they, maybe they lose by a field goal. But if if so, if we're taking to cover, I'm taking Tulane to cover. I I think that they could very well win this game outright. But Tulane's gonna Tulane's gonna cover. So if Memphis wins, they're gonna win by a field goal.
2: Okay.
1: Um, over under fifty six and a half. I'm also taking the over in this game. Friday night games get get weird, and um, I don't know Memphis. They just their fan base still doesn't show out. Even when they're good, they don't show out. Sorry about it. Um, your take. Uh, you're taking Tulane.
2: I'm taking Memphis, honestly, because I want, I want Memphis to make this the year. I want them to make this the year that they get over that hump and get back to the top. Like UTSA came in here thinking, I mean, I don't even know what they actually probably thought. I mean, they they had all the pieces to run it back, um, in a brand new conference, but they just haven't been as strong. Um, Tulane, has looked pretty strong so far. But honestly, I think Memphis, if they can put it all together, because all their games have been close versus competition that's not the same. So I think if if they can put it all together, as close as they were against Missouri was as close as they were against uh, Navy. So they're obviously getting better. And I think if they could just pop it over the top for this game and open it up, I think I think it'll be a pretty easy game for them. I, I think I think it'll be a pretty easy game for them. So I'm taking Memphis and I'm taking them to cover.
1: I'm okay. taking them to
2: cover. I'm taking like maybe maybe we're about a touchdown.
1: Okay, I, I respect it. I respect it. I just feel like if it was on a Saturday, I could see it. But the Friday night thing just makes me feel like it's a two lane game. Um, they're both coming off us.
2: They're both coming off us. Yeah. And the last time out was Memphis's first loss against Missouri. So that, I mean, they they are probably looking looking to come back and show who they are.
1: I still just think Tulane's the best group of five team in the country. I just, they, Tulane should still be ranked if you ask me. Tulane, to me, Tulane's the top twenty team in the country. Sorry about it. They lost. They lost to Ole Miss. And, yeah the score was 34 17 or something like that but that game that game was a lot closer than the score said it said it was um all right moving on Georgia Southern at Jmu minus three and a half over under 58 and a half major game for the sun Belt. James Madison can solidify themselves as the new king without a crown of the sun Belt with a statement win against Georgia Southern. Uh, Georgia Southern's four and one, while JMU is five and zero. JMU, I mean, you say they could beat half of the bowl contenders in in the in the G five, but I, I think they could beat damn near anyone in the group of five right now. Probably a lot of teams in the Power Five. Um, this is at JMU. Crazy. That's a crazy place. Uh, yeah, give me JMU by a touchdown.
2: Yeah, I think it, I think it's it's pretty simple to say. Like I'm 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 riding the train with JMU at this point. Like like there, there's no there's no need to get off. I mean Coastal Carolina had a run, got off that train. Nobody had had a little run, got off that train. This JMU train is I don't think it's stopping. I think they, they could be like how App State came into the FBS and just went what six straight ball games I think it was that they went two and one. Like I, I think I think that's the JMU story right now. I think
1: that's the JMU story. For sure, for sure. Um over under is 15 and a half. I honestly, don't know enough about these offenses. Um I take do not. I I yeah. I'm going to take the under here. Um just because I don't know enough about the offenses, I probably wouldn't bet over under. That's a bet I typically don't like to make. I, I typically like money line or or um, bet the spread, but all right. Uh, all right. Florida at South Carolina, not a big, not as big of a game for the sec East as the teams thought it would be, but we'll be very competitive. Florida's four and two with a quality win over Tennessee, but a pretty bad loss to Kentucky and South Carolina's two and three, but can't get out of their own way. Right. So South Carolina lost 41 to 20 last week. Looking to bounce back against this quality Florida team, the Gamecocks are are a two point favorite here, and I'm just I'm gonna I, I think Florida wins this game. I'm not I'm I'm not sold on on South Carolina. Maybe, maybe uh, Shane Beamer would be a good replacement for Mike Houston in a year, but I don't know after they both get canned. Yeah,
2: I think you're completely right. I think Billy Napier is about to start putting the pieces together a little bit better. And as as a head coach at this level, and I think I think they, Shane Beamer, he's his per, his personality is his football team. It's just so inconsistent, but it's so just jittery. It's everywhere. I just I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I I don't think South Carolina's gonna put it together. I just I just don't. Yeah, I mean it's a three thirty kickoff. It's a three thirty kickoff. Florida South Carolina. This game, this game needs to be a seven o'clock game. Like this, this is a prime time game, but it's not.
1: Yeah, yeah, go Gators. I, I, I think I think Florida wins this game, and I I wouldn't be surprised if they won this game by ten, if if not more. So. All right. And even though I agree with that, I'm still taking the under on the
2: 51 and a half, even yeah. if, even yeah. if I want to wins by 10. I mean, it's still.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree. Um, all right, SMU at East Carolina, over unders 51. Uh, ECU plus 12, 12 point dog. SMU is looking to make November 18 the the de facto American Championship game against Memphis by rolling through the rest of the American. Both teams are coming off five weeks and will be well-rested for this game. ECU looks to send SMU to the Atlantic Coast Conference, the ACC, with a loss. Ugh. I don't think I've ever... I can't remember the last time I picked ECU not to cover the spread. But I'm gonna do it right here because I, I don't I don't see and maybe maybe I am wrong and I hope I'm wrong. I just don't see how this team can score enough points to to cover the spread. I, I'm not worried about the defense, but I don't see how this team can cover can score enough knowing what we know about this red zone offense, knowing what we know about this offense to really keep it close. Now they may keep it close through the first half. First like half and a half a quarter, right? But I think by seven minutes to go in the third quarter, SME starts to pull away. I mean I've seen it enough with the this ECU team. I, I just uh, I I think E C loses by by three touchdowns.
2: I I feel like I'm, I'm 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 maybe I'm just a hopeless romantic when it comes to ECU football because I'm taking ECU to cover, not to That's win. That's not the what game. you told me before we recorded. Right, it's not. But I thought about it because I heard I heard Billy, I Billy heard Billy Body. Okay, I heard that man talk about that offense just not hitting on on all cylinders. And the way in it he I one thing that that stood out to me with the interview is he he talked about them. He said they have to run the ball this game. You're not run the ball against ECU's defense? <laughs> if you if you feel like you have to run the ball this game because your offensive pass game is not clicking, okay, you're not you're 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 going to be slowed down by the ECU run defense. And yeah, you're probably gonna pop one or two over the top on us because we're gonna be aggressive against the run de- or against the run, but I think ECU is going to. Also, I think over this bye week, this is this this maybe just a prayer that's burning up, you know, just burning up. Uh, maybe over the bye week, one of the quarterbacks just went crazy. Got got uh, it got underneath his feet. Some uh, Austin Hour, right? Tight ends coach is now called might, might you know be calling some plays and practice. Summer. I don't know. I don't have any intel. I'm just saying. Think about like if if they just went somebody new, give it a couple of call play calls just to see how it how it felt over the bye week. this could be a totally different team because i I, I don't think I don't think that the playbook I don't think the playbook is limited enough. I think the play calls were limited enough that yeah, I, don't, I, I, would,
1: I would agree with that, but knowing what I know about the relationship between Donnie Kirkpatrick and Mike Houston, I just don't know if i believe that it'll happen look i really hope that i'm wrong but i've seen enough from ecu football this year to say like this is honestly probably i feel like this is one some of the worst football that we've had this is probably the worst football we've played in a decade like during like no this This team just – this offense just looks terrible. And I I don't know from the play calling to the drop passes to the offensive line to quarterback ineptitude at times. I don't know. Someone's got to change. To me, someone's got to change, and I don't know. I I, I really hope – like, Josh, maybe it's just uh, I'm pessimistic about what I've seen so far. I'm really hoping that that you're right. I am praying that you are right on this because I don't know if I can sit through another game where it's the same play calling and the same poor decision-making for ECU on offense. So I hope you're right. I really hope you're right. But I just, I got to see it to believe it. If ECU goes out and proves me wrong, great. And if they do that, I'll be I'll be singing a different tune next week, I'm sure. But right now, I'm going off of what I've seen. And what I've seen is this offense doesn't make adjustments. They don't make adjustments at halftime. They don't make adjustments mid game. They don't make adjustments after a bye week. They just do what they do. That that's maybe that like I said, maybe that's just the pessimist in me. And I've been very optimistic about this team. I said that this team earlier in the year, I said this team could go 8-4. And, and look, you were in two games against Marshall and against App State and against Rice, three games, really. You could have won all of those games at times. But they fell apart. The offense couldn't get it done. And I don't care how good your defense is, you can't win games if you can't score. You just can't. And if you get in the red zone, you have to get the ball in the end zone. You have find a way. I don't care if you get in the red zone and immediately put Mason Garcia in and just run it down their throat. I don't care if that's what you have to do. Maybe that's the game plan. But there's got to be a different game plan than what we've had the first five weeks of the season outside of the Gardner-Webb game. But that game's a wash because that game doesn't matter. So, Donny K, prove me wrong. Mike Houston, prove me wrong. But if not, I'll, I'm not going to be surprised if you don't. But I really hope that you prove me wrong. Look, I, love, say- I love this team. I, I love a lot of the guys on this team. Know them personally. I, I really hope this team figures it out. And if it's not for this year, I hope they figure it out going into next year. But next, if they don't figure it out this year, you got to go into next year with some changes in, in staff personnel. Go ahead. I, I was just, the only thing I had
2: to say was that this is the worst offense since 2018. I'm not, I'm not going to put them behind that 2018 offense. I mean, I was at that NC State makeup game because Virginia Tech canceled because we had to go to South Florida because Virginia Tech wouldn't let us know if they, you know, the whole debacle. But I think that that offense, I mean, <laughs> Temple held you to six points. South Florida that year held you to thirteen and you lost. Like no kind of A and T beat you. Like I mean, I I don't know.
1: I don't know. Yeah. The defense is bad too, but the offense but so, didn't help. But me. some somehow you still found a way to win three games. I don't I don't. If ECU loses this game, I don't know. I don't know if I see three three wins on the schedule. Charlotte. Navy, but we all know how Navy goes.
2: Yeah, and it's at Navy.
1: Luckily you're not getting them on a bye week and they got a first year head coach. Maybe you win that game, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Josh, I don't know. I, I really hope you, I hope they prove me wrong. And like I said, I have, I can't remember the last time I picked ECU not to cover the spread. I I We've been doing this four years now and I can't remember the last time I picked them to not cover. I'm sure somebody can tell me, but I, I can't remember. I, I don't know when that was. So, that's all I got to say. Prove me wrong. I'll be there. It's gonna be fun. I'm excited. I'm excited to get back to Daddy and 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 get in there. And I'm excited for the game. But I'm not. I'm not so positive that EC is gonna cover. Chance. I'm not. I'm not so positive. So. Yeah. Maybe. maybe and, I don't
2: know. Look, here's the thing. The one thing that I know is that. I'm 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 bringing in two of the greatest football videographers there are in the Raleigh area to come film this game with me. I just I don't know, man. I I, I just it's <laughs> gonna be it's gonna be worse than when they when they were at Marshall and and uh, I guess Gardner Weapons was too bad, but the Marshall game. I mean, had one of them there, and it was just it's just disgusting. So
1: at least it's not gonna be like. Two years ago, when we had the South Florida game, and it was pissing rain all, all night. Um, yeah, that that was rough. But Josh, let's get out of here. Reminder: make sure to uh, check out Variety Sports Podcast Network. Check me out the Five Hole Podcast. Going to be uh, coming to you all season long with hockey content. Really excited about that. Uh, follow us on on all of our socials at Boneyard Podcast. That's on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, wherever. We're there. Check us out. Follow us. Give give us a subscribe. Hit that notification bell. Somewhere down here. Hit it on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. Get notified every time we tweet. You're gonna you're gonna thank us later. Uh anything else on on that I'm missing? Uh yeah, leave us a review. Five stars, your best friend of the podcast one or no stars you can walk the damn plank and then uh yeah we went a lot longer than I thought I thought we were gonna go but good good pod Josh good pod it was good it was good already missed already missed a good one so uh until until next week pirate nation we'll talk to you later go to the soccer game please peace